Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as the Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams, where Nat and Sarah honed in on their three-step process, purposefully translating the esoteric into the tangible. Nat Cook gained her experience as a five-time Olympian in the sport of beach volleyball and reached the pinnacle by winning gold on her home beach of Bondi in 2000. Using the law of attraction before she had a name for it, one of her manifestations was meeting a fellow Canadian beach volleyball player, Sarah Maxwell, in 2001. Falling in love, they trained and competed against one another in Australia for years before marrying in 2008 and creating their biggest joy, their beloved four-year-old daughter, Jordan. Manifesting their dream of living in Europe, they have recently returned from their Swiss adventures as the full-time family where this podcast was birthed. During the unprecedented COVID-19 lockdown, the podcast has been cleansed with a fresh new colour, design and even a new name, which means Nat has been booted off the show, of course. No, I'm just kidding. She will still be featured. But the time had come to raise the game and bring you even more uplifting conversations from entrepreneurs making their mark on the world, parents who are demonstrating what's possible, doctors, therapists and experts with a contribution to make legendary athletes who have been living out loud for years. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. conversation with an experienced couple whose mission to be the most authentic, innovative, and impactful whole food company in the world is taking shape. Based on the Sunshine Coast of Australia, Howard and Cindy O'Meara have their sights on generational health with their thriving company, Changing Habits. Their mutual eclectic backgrounds are what I believe has them serve their community in a unique and profound way. Howard began as a teacher then into the police force where he was selected as Prince Edward's longtime New Zealand personal bodyguard. I don't know, I just get images of the bodyguard, but just keep it at bay, ladies. He then became a team chiropractor, traveling the world with New Zealand rugby, basketball, rugby union, BMX, surf life-saving Ironman, and the best of all, beach volleyball, where we absolutely, we fell in love with him. All the while, Cindy was focusing on her passion for nutrition, but couldn't quite stomach the traditional teachings at university, so she headed off for what was then alternative caveman research in Colorado to uncover more. Upon her return to Australia, she tried her hand at pre-med and chiropractic where she met Howard. Her heart wasn't fully in it, and she focused on family for the next years, including traveling across all of Australia in a souped up bus for two years with all three kids. Yes, they did that. That's how they became my parent mentors, actually. 
So then in 1998, she wrote her first book, Changing Habits, Changing Lives, which was an instant bestseller. It became evident that the world was receptive to her controversial ideas around nutrition. She no longer had to sit on the sidelines, but began speaking her message to very open ears. Though the local newspaper would ask her to retract her stories, denigrating margarine or margarine, we all know that her rants on the goodness of butter are but one of the topics where she is having the last laugh. So about 10 years ago, Howard approached Cindy with the creative vision that they could bring their own products to market to accentuate the message she was gathering crowds around week in and week out. They began with an initial order of 500 kilos of their ultra healthy salts, which sold out immediately. Having 35 staff in their most prosperous today, they import over six tons of their salt to their loyal community of health nuts. Said with love, you too. Now, this is sort of like that, how did you meet story? There could be parts of that story, that one of, or the other is thinking, it didn't really happen like that. Um, yeah, it's like, I could say, I was like, mm, really? So I wanna dive in to what it takes to bring a vision and passion into a living, thriving, breathing business. But before, I have to find out a little bit about the dreamers within both of you that led you to here. So Cindy, I'll give you, sorry, Howard. Cindy's gonna start, she's been <laughs> talking fun, all day. <laughs> she's warmed up. So Cindy, you grew up in Bendigo. Did you ever imagine you'd be at the forefront of a health revolution? Well, my, my mum and dad were health advocates. So I was brought up in a household that basically didn't agree with medications, didn't agree in any of those things. My mum was an amazing cook. So it was just my upbringing that um, made me very interested in health and nutrition. So it wasn't until I went to the University of Colorado and I studied anthropology and also did an outward bound course for two months that my real love for, um, you know, living in the outdoors, being, you know, looking at farming, Western wilderness land management, nutrition, food, all of that started to come together. And so I guess I, I was just brought up that way, but I never thought, I, I really never thought that I would um, be part of what we are doing now, but I always had dreams and those dreams just kept building and building and building. And you want to know what the ultimate dream was? And I had to do this in order to get my ultimate dream. And that was to own a farm. Hmm. I wanted to own a farm for as long as I can remember. I wanted to be a farmer's wife with 12 kids. Sorry, Howie, you didn't quite make that. <laughs> um, but that's what I wanted. It was always something that I wanted. My mom was from a farm. I don't know if that was it, but it was always that passion. So, um, in order to get that farm and financially be able to do what we want to do with it, we had to be doing well in order to do that. So for me, everything that's happened has been small manifestations of what we wanted, but the ultimate for me was that farm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Howie, I am going to get to you, but when I get intrigued, I just have to follow it. Cindy, when you were growing up with your mom and her love of nutrition, she was cooking, did you feel like your family was different? Like, was there a sense of what we're doing, I love it, and we're a little bit different? Or was that just, you weren't aware no, of any of that? I knew we were different. Oh, I knew we were weird. Yeah, I, like, 
It's definitely. We were the mum and dad were the modern day hippies. They didn't look like hippies. They looked like well dressed, suited parents. But in actual fact, they were the 60s hippies. So my dad was a pharmacist who then became a chiropractor. He didn't he didn't agree with the drugs that were being given. He was seeing more sickness than wellness. And so he chose to never medicate us as as children. We had to fight our own fights. Our immune system had to do what it needed to do, fevers, coughs, colds, everything. Um, so, in a, you know, I knew that I was in a very different type of thinking, even when I was in the middle of it. Yeah, very, very different. Cool. I just wanted, I, I got the sense of that, and I wanted to know because I know that you, interestingly, followed a similar thread with your own kids. You know, you did it differently with them as well. And I, I remember being in a talk with you and you saying that you never gave your kids any medication, any drugs, and how impactful that was, not only for me, but the whole audience. And it's really helped me in my journey um, as I go, because sometimes it's quite lonely. Hmm. Yeah, it is really lonely because people just think you're weird. But I'm 60 now. I turned 60 this year oh. and I've still never had an antibiotic, Panadol, any form of medication. And our kids were brought up completely free of drugs. Um, Brogan broke his, um, he broke his collarbone, never needed any medications. But when he broke, what did he break his? Um, oh, skateboard. His skateboard. Um, <laughs> about 24 hours after he was in a lot of pain and he wasn't sleeping. And I know sleep is when you heal. So I said to him, well, maybe this is the time that you need to take something. So we got him the lowest paracetamol we could possibly get him. He took it and I think it lasted him 12 hours, enough for him to sleep and be able to deal with pain and then he never had another one. So he's had that one. Yeah, wow. Had none, she was a home birth. And Casey um, was, had a medical procedure and they did it against her will. Yes. And I remember it, that story. That's a, that's a whole story, isn't it? That's a whole story and we won't go there because it just makes me angry. Yeah, so I know. I, I, I get why it would because it would just <laughs> reinforce, um, yeah, exactly why you had it all those years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I was brought up that way. We brought our kids up that way. I remember when we first made the decision to bring them up that way, you know, because Howard was brought up in a very different way. He just looked at me and he just said, I'm just trusting that you know what you're doing. And then I think about a couple of years after when he started to understand the whole concept of it, um, he said, thank goodness we did it this way. So that was a good thing. Otherwise, we might have ended up in a divorce. Yeah, it, I'm glad we're, we're talking, Howie, we are getting to you because I, I think that is a big part of the story, actually, is Howie trusting you in that gap because I see Matt really looking at me like, really? Ooh, it really just kind of stretches somebody's um, belief. Like I know, okay, I, I didn't want to get into all this, but I just did want to say, that when Jordan had an earache, I know Nat thought she was having brain damage because her logic was like, it's so close to the brain. She's, she was saying to me, I think she's gonna have brain damage and I could just feel all the fear and her hit, you know, and I'm in there coming in, stay strong, be with Jordan. And yeah, lots of questioning, inner questioning, but um, thank you for bringing that up because I, I get it. And now to know that you guys are, you know, turn 60, Cindy, and you survived, so. Yeah, I, I did survive. And I just think that we brought up in a society where we don't trust our bodies. 
We're told that our bodies are broken. You need vitamin K at the beginning. You need this, you need that in order to survive. You'll, if you have too high a fever, you will have brain damage. Like This is what we're told. It's actually not true. Your body has an innate intelligence. Give it the right ingredients and take the interference away, and which we did with chiropractic. Um, you can have a healthy body that can survive a fever and a cold and an earache. And our kids had fevers, colds, earaches, but they, their body knew how to deal with it. And what's incredible is that when a child gets uh, an earache or a fever or a cold, you will see them develop very quickly after that. After they've gone through a physical manifestation, they, their, their whole development grows. So you'll see them say a few more words or they'll do something tactfully with their fingers. So it, yeah, it's, it, it, people just don't realize it. They don't, they're not, they're not watching. They're not watching how incredible of a, our human body is. Wow. Yeah. On that note, Howie, you're an incredible man. Over 30 years married, and that's because you're able to remain silent when the women are going for it. Oh, that's kept you in the game. But Howard, you were also a young boy once in New Zealand. We're not going to tell them what team you, you barrack for, but did you have visions of creating a company that would make a real difference in people's lives? Not so much a vision you know, of a company. I always wanted to do something that was different, as in helping people. So... If you look at my work history from school teacher to policeman to chiropractor um, in making the company or building the company we have now, it was always involved in making a difference with people, working with people somewhere, somehow um, to make a difference that way. Envisioned of making a big company, <clears throat> yes. I never like to do things, you know, in halves or quarters. If I'm going to do something, I like to do it well. Um, and my vision of the company always used to scare Cindy. Go and say, you know, we're going to have 500 employees. You know, we're going to uh, sponsor farms and we're going to have all these things happening, you know. And Cindy was kind of, don't tell me about it. Don't tell me about it. I'll just do what I'm doing and you go on and do, you know. So always had the vision, always had the drive. Um, and that stems really from childhood as well. Um, you know, Cindy Sue was different from her family. Let me assure you, we're not into drugs and alcohol. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we, we ate like my grandparents ate. You know, we grew a lot of stuff in the garden. Um, everything was pretty wholesome. Did we concentrate on that? No, not really. We just got on with life. You know, for me, my life was all about sports. You know, I was outdoors. I was so active. You know, I was the last one out of the water surfing. I was the last one off the rugby field. I was the last one to get off the training field, you know, when we had training. I always want to do that little bit extra, you know, and be that little bit better, um, be doing things differently. And that's really carried me through to today. And I still like to be out there doing stuff. I still like to be doing it the best I possibly can. The thing that I find for me, though, is that I'll, I'll achieve my goal to the highest level I think that I've gone, and then it's time for me to move on. So you'll see that in school teaching, you'll see that in policing with the job with the prince, you know, that was the highest I could ever feel I could go. So I moved on, you know, and then I do chiropractic, did all that sports stuff. And then I figured, well, I've just about done everything that I wanted to do and achieve. What else is it? You know, and then I, Cindy wrote the book and I started to think, well, we can make something really great out of this. Um, and that's where it's been from there, creating, building, achieving, keeping going. You know, there's a book, um, The Emeth, 
Michael Gerber, I don't know whether you've read it, but probably a lot of listeners will. And he talks about two types of people, the entrepreneur and the technician. Technician is those people who should get into a company and they help build it, but they dot the I's and cross the T's and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. So it talks about the other person's entrepreneur. Entrepreneur builds a company, has the vision, keeps it going, but they should never get into the nitty gritty of that company. And they should never try and run the company because they'll end up destroying it. And that's me. That's my personality down to a T. You know, I love the vision. I can see where we're going. I like to build it. I love the progression of it. But don't ask me to sit down and fill in a form and write in all the stats <laughs> because they'll be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that was the glaring next like, question for me was really about those amazing transition points that you've had throughout your life, which make you great at a dinner party because you have lots to talk about. But I, I really appreciated what you just shared there because sometimes people, when they don't understand themselves, they may make themselves wrong for it or think that, or try to be who they're not. And so I get why your business card says chairman. I noticed that. I was like, I think oh, that's a new that. title. Did he write <laughs> his own business card? I noticed that, Howard. Yeah. Well, they kicked me off my desk, you know, as CEO, and um, said, right, you're going to chairman. So, okay, that sounds good. I was like, <laughs> good. the chairman lounge is good. I was like, I'm not really sure what the chairman does, but it sounds good to me, Howard. Um, so, you know, in light of that, so I want everyone to sort of get a picture of how you guys um, work together. So, Cindy, when you started studying nutrition, you know, the lectures, the information didn't sit that well with you. What gave you the confidence to follow your gut? Because, you know, everyone, I get that you were the, the hippie family. Um, what gave you the confidence to seek out information, bring a new message? I would say even be the creator of the new message. What gives you that kind of confidence? I, what happened was that when I finished nutrition um, and I was become a dietitian, I realized that I didn't agree with it. So I couldn't become a dietitian. So I thought, well, I'll be a chiropractor. So I went back to university, did chiropractic, and it was two years of human anatomy um, and understanding the human body even more from the physiology I learned with nutrition and the biochemistry. But there were key people that I met in my life. And one of those key people was a person by the name of Bernard Jensen. And he was about 80 at the time that I started to read his information. And he was writing what I was thinking. And I thought, well, I'm not the only one that's thinking this way. There are other people that are thinking this way. So I love nutrition so much that I said to Howard, you can be the chiropractor, because we'd met first day of chiropractic college. I said, you be the chiropractor, but I really want to, I want to do nutrition. So I started a practice and I just started to, um, just teach people about real foods, like just eating jerf. I used, well, we didn't call it back then, but it's now called jerf now, just eat real food. So it was about getting them off breakfast cereals and margarine and toast and Vegemite and low fat milks and getting them off pastas and rice, you know, all of the stuff that like, people still eat today. It was about getting them off that, but then showing them a new way with what they should have for breakfast, lunches and dinners. And, you know, it was high, highly successful. And I did that for four years until Howard finished um, university. And then we got pregnant. Um, and I, while I was pregnant, just started writing for the newspaper. And that's when very, a very controversial column. But that's when I realized there was, um, it was a real split group. 
There was the group that loved it. Yeah, give me more. And then was the group that absolutely called me a charlatan, a witch. She's crazy. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And then big corporations wanting to completely um, decimate what I was saying and sue the newspaper and ask for retractions, which I would never do. I would never do a retraction. Just do that. <laughs> I love it. But what gives you, did you, okay, actually, let me ask you this. Do you ever get scared about um, that angry group? About the what? The, like the angry group, the people that oh. really get stirred up. Can I answer that just for you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to hear what yeah, how we because think. Because there used to be, there used to be a, um, oh, I think it still is, we don't monitor it at all now. Um, but there was a group there that had all these terrible people on it that not only slammed Cindy, but slammed some other people as well. But um, yeah, that affected Cindy a lot. And I used to see it all the time, till the fact that we actually banned her from reading it. You know, just not to go there because she'd get really upset about it. So it's as you're saying, you know, don't let the negative few outweigh the positive many. So, you know, it was a matter of just trying to shield Cindy from that, which we still do today quite a bit. You know, just don't go down that rabbit hole of reading the negative comments anymore. They're they, very sad people. And they do affect you, you know, like, you, because what they do is they put doubt in yeah. you. You kind of go, I'm going down this path, I agree with it entirely, blah, blah, blah. and then someone writes a comment and you go, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. So instead of me just going, flicking them, I actually will question my own self and go, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. I better look that up. So I'll then go and look that up. But I realise with people like that, you can't win. So if you do look it up and you go, well, actually, no, you're wrong. This is the, the science or this is whatever is around it. They'll come back to you and, and denigrate you anyway. So I learned I never could win with them. So, yeah, I, but yes, they do. They do affect you. But I'm finding that those very few are being outweighed by people that are, open, are realising, they're awakening. And especially with this whole COVID-19 thing that's happening, people are awakening like I've never seen before. I have thousands of comments as opposed to a couple of comments now. It's quite incredible. Um, it depends on what I write about, but I'm quite blown away by the amount of comments and positive comments that are coming through on my very controversial views. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad Howie said what he said, actually, because I think that what you both represent is this combination of you're human, Cindy, you have very strong beliefs and views and you live them to your demonstration and you have a soft heart, you know, like you said, oh, maybe I should consider that. And I, as you described that, I see that as a distraction to what you're doing, but you're human, right? So what I love is hearing that Howie really coming in and saying, hey, we have to sort of shield you from that because it reminded me of how Howie did that also for Nat. Weren't you the shield <laughs> at the 2000 Olympics? And we won't discuss all that you were shielding. <clears throat> However, I'm seeing that you um, marrying a bodyguard is a good thing, Cindy. Mm -hmm. Clever. I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, um, yeah, because in some ways, what I get is your message is being, is really having traction because you're still in the game. Mm -hmm. After all these years, I think a lot of people get taken out of the game because it's just too much. Um, and so, decades. yeah, decades, exactly. Four like decades. here you are turning mm -hmm. 60. Here you are still here all these years talking about this. So Howie, 
this business, Sarah. we know that you like to move on, right? Yes. You're still here. Not only are you still in this marriage, you're still in this business. So what is it that gets you up in the morning that has you still nutting it out for this business, this company? It's, um, it's virtually for me changing roles for myself within the company. So, you know, if you go back to when we first started, I kind of did everything, you know, from building the website to the marketing to affiliate programs and all that kind of stuff, I did it. Um, and then I started building the team around us that could take over from that. So my job, if you want to call it that, my position was constantly changing. And with it changing, I was constantly learning as well. So that was, uh, and still is a big thing today. I'm always learning. So I've gone now virtually from CEO and passed over a lot of the things that involved me as a CEO now to my managing director. So I've gone from CEO into chairman. Now, you know, you said, what does chairman actually mean? I don't really know. <laughs> it's the name that they've given me. <laughs> Did they let you in the lounge, Howie? Do you get in the chairman's lounge? No. Oh, no. No. It also allowed me to step back quite a bit from the CEO role and have a look more back into the vision. So, you know, I can now sort of look more at still growing the company. You know, where are we headed? What are we doing? What's the best way to go? What's happening out in the world around us? Where are the opportunities? What do we need to provide? So it's those things that are still uh, capturing me Got it. in imagination. And, uh, and I love that sort of thing, you know, because it's different. And I, I think back, you know, to all those years I did the beach volleyball with you girls. Um, how did you keep going? Because we were going to different places and different things were happening and different comps and always involving in different people. And I love that sort of thing. You know, I learned from Anthony Robbins, one of the things that, that drives me is challenge and change. And those are the two key things that keep driving me. And I find that you know, virtually every day, somewhere in my life, and particularly in the company, there's a challenge and a change that I just love bringing in. So Howie, please share um, over the last 10 years, at least one of your epic adventures where you were out there on the leading edge for some sort of berry or product that we've never seen in Australia. <laughs> and you know, what did you say? Challenge and change. Tell them a little bit of the stimulating trips. One, at least one. At least one. Well, okay. So I went to Peru and uh, we were looking for Kamakam, I think, wasn't it? Peru? Or Inkinchi. Inkinchi or Kamakam, yeah. which comes out of the Amazon around Peru. Um, so I arrive in Peru, you know, in the beautiful city and um, got, a, got an apartment on the beach there and, and thought this was just fantastic. And then got talking to our supplier there and he said, well, we've got to go up into the, into the Andes really, you know, and have a look where this berry is grown. So I went, oh yeah, this is great. And, um, you know, quite happy for a bit of adventure. Not realizing we're four and a half thousand meters up, um, pretty cold, pretty much out of breath. Um, Terrible food, and uh, you know how much I like my food, Sarah. <laughs> so, terrible food. Um, yeah, an adventure in terms of just getting right up in the mountains, getting up and seeing the school up there where the kids had nothing, um, watching how the stuff was grown, talking to the farmers up there, and coming back with a realization, you know, how lucky we are. You know, it was really quite an eye opener. Uh, but again, that sort of adventure, oh, I loved it. 
I just had a ball, you know, way up in the Andes, just two or three of us up in the mountains. Um, if you'd seen us, it was a bit like a goat herder, you know, you have all the woolies on your head and a, and a <laughs> stick and a few of the sheep running around and, you know, loved it, loved it. It's funny how you go in search of one thing, let's say, like whether it's a berry or the ink, do you say inky or inchy? I don't even know how to say that. Inky, 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 inky two words. Inky, oh, inka, inchy. I'm thinking, yeah. what just happened? Yeah. Okay, inka, inchy. Um, you go looking for one thing, but sometimes you find another, you know, seeing the kids and realizing, just having gratitude for what you had, um, which I think you both are very much adventurers. Um, I love that about you. So Cindy, what would you say, I know you share adventure, but you're also pretty feisty characters, I would say. We've been friends for years. That's what I love about you guys. What do you believe allows you both to stay together, gazing in the same direction after all these years? Because, I mean, has it been like 34 years that you guys have been together? Married? I think we figured out 34, 35 years we've been together. Yeah, married so, since 86, so almost, yeah. So yeah. long time. Um, I think our kids are a big part of, of what we do. We spend a lot of time, you know, we traveled around Australia with them for two years. We homeschooled them. We do a lot with our kids. We adventure with our children, even as adults, they're 30, 28 and 26, and they still love to go on skiing holidays or adventures with us. Like yesterday, we went hiking um, up into the Balumba State or National Park up into Conondale to find waterfalls and swimming holes, you know? so. And they're, they're quite happy to, to, to be with us. So I think our children are one thing. The business is definitely because I am the, I'm the micro girl. Tell me what to do. I've got a week to do it. Yep, I'll get that done. It'll be fine. Howard is the visionary and him being chairman also seems to manifest the right people into our lives to teach us what we need to learn. So like while he's really like the the chairman, I'm the creative director. So I'm always creating and finding new things and he puts the brakes on me. So it's like this, 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 I don't know. We just seem to complement each other. Like we, we don't, sometimes we don't agree. Of course. <laughs> sometimes we don't agree. Never, never. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? No, sometimes we don't agree, but when it comes to our business, when it comes to our kids, when it comes to running our home, when it comes to running the farm, we seem to have like just how it's got his strengths. I have my strengths. I don't step on his toes. He doesn't step on my toes. We might question, but then we know that that's what his strength is and my weakness or my strength and his weakness. So between the two of us, we seem to have double the strength hmm. and we're able to minimize our weaknesses. That's, that's how I see it. I don't know. If yeah, what about some, you, Howard? What do you think? Yeah, well, some years ago, um, when we first started the business, we did a couple of personality profiles, which um, really gave us a bit of an insight into what each of us was good at. And we really took those profiles and worked from there because it made so much sense to us. You know, um, my profile fitted me what I thought pretty well exactly, you know, with the adventure and the outdoors and the vision and, and for Cindy, you know, he was the maestro. <clears throat> yeah, it was yeah, <laughs> conjuring <laughs> up things, you know, but again, with a, with a business, I can see 10, 20 years ahead and I'd say to Cindy, look, this is what it looks like. And she'd be going, Oh shit. Don't tell me that. Just give me the week. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where it kind of evolved from. 
And we've kind of stuck to that. And it's been a good working model. So you know, if anyone's listening as, that's running business, husband and wife, team or family, you really have to sort out your personality. You know, what, what are you good at? You know, how to function, then build from there. It's no good just jumping into it, both of you, and then you start to quarrel and fight. You know, you've got to figure out, yeah, what you're good at, what your personality is, and, and go to your strengths. Has that, has that evolved, though? Like, has that come a long way for you both? Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's always evolving, Sarah. You know, um, it, was, it was good in terms of the office right from the start. You know, we had kind of clear um, division of what was Cindy's and what was mine. And that's really helped us. And it's certainly evolved, you know, it's evolving all the time. Everything's changing all the time. But in terms of our roles, it's still similar, but different. Same, same, but different, you know? Right. It's always evolving, but we try to, to not cross that threshold into each other's path. Like sure. I don't talk, tell Cindy what to say on a, on a research or on a, on a podcast and that kind of thing, because I wouldn't have a freaking clue. You know, and so yeah, I would like to hear what you would tell her to say. Right? Though. That could be yeah. hilarious. Well, City wouldn't tell me how to run the team or, you know, um, how to pick the team and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah got it. But I don't want to. Yeah. That, I don't want that responsibility. My, mine is I want to be creative. I want to write. I want to um, create, look at product. Howard goes looking for the product. I think of the product. He goes hunting it. So, I, you know, I'm the gatherer. He's the hunter. So we, we kind of do it that way. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to, like when they're picking a team member, I like go, oh yeah, I'll leave it to you guys. To do yeah, I get that. I'm hearing that from you both. It's like this sense of appreciating someone else's skill to the extent where you think, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to do that. Like both of you, I, I hear that from both of you actually, getting what the other person's good at and almost this, thank goodness. Like Howie, you're just so reminding me of Nat when she comes to me with, if I have this creative idea, she wants it to like extend into an empire. And then I just get so overwhelmed and I just, I just tune out. I say, can I just please write like a paragraph? Cause that's all I was thinking about, you know, and she's got me book deals and podcasts. Here we are. Um, <laughs> well, we, we were very good friends with Steve and Terry Irwin and it was really interesting to watch them. So Steve would talk about, the, this was when it was just the life, the reptile park before it became Australia Zoo. He had this incredible vision, didn't he? Mm. It was 1,500 seated, you know, restaurant and this and that and, and Amazon River and this, you know, he just was incredible with his vision. And Terry would say, 1,500 seated restaurant, that's gonna be really hard to do. He said, I don't care. I know you'll figure out how to do it. And she did. She figured out how to do it. I, I saw what she did and how she did it. So I, I just think, you know, those two were an incredible team too. A absolutely incredible team. He was the visionary. She put it together and, and did it, you know. And that's playing to your strengths. Yeah. Play to your strengths, you know. I know, I know you know, I've got the vision, but don't tell me about the nitty gritty of how to yeah. do it. Don't tell me about, just go out and figure out how to do it. Come back to me when you've got the plans. Don't come to me with facts and figures and a whole lot of, just give me one page with a drawing on it on how you're going to do it and let's go. Yeah. And I'm, <clears throat> you know, I'll research everything. I'll look at it. I'll figure it out. I know exactly what we're going to do. And then I don't want to do the rest. You go do the rest. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's beautiful. It's what a great story you just shared there for internationals. You need to look up 
the Irwins, if you don't know the story, but then you got me thinking about hats off to what she's created without him there. You know, oh, thinking, gosh, yeah. you know, gratitude, right? For well, what you both yeah. bring and she's doing she great. That, but he had that vision and she's just copied. She just did everything he talked about. This one day we were talking to them and he was telling us his vision. She's done it. Before, after he died, she even continued it. So wow, what a legacy. Jeez. Yeah, it was amazing. She That's was amazing. Mm. Okay, you two, this is your last one. Just talk us through how you both, from your different ways of looking at it, see the evolution of nutrition over the next 10, 20 years and the ripple effect that your company will create and, and how you, what are you guys seeing into the future? So Cindy, you can tell me what you see for next week. <laughs> how you can tell me what you see for the next 10, 20 years. Who do you want to start? Yeah, Chris, <laughs> let's go with next week and then, and then you can open it up. <laughs> oh, I, can, I actually see it pass this week. <laughs> I, I actually see people waking up to what the food industry has created, which is um, faceless, empty nutritional foods. And realizing that having food security is very important and getting back into the garden to create their own foods or being part of a community garden or just having a fruit tree. I think more and more people will start to do that like we always did it. So I think to go forward, we're gonna go backward as far as the way we used to produce foods. And then I think it's about people getting back into the kitchen to feed and nourish their family, to heal this nation. So that to me is where I think it's going to go uh, and where I would love to see it go. And if it doesn't go there, then we're just going to get sicker and sicker and you know, we're going to pay the price, which we're paying right now. We have a, a sick nation, a virus that is opportunistic. So the well people, as you can see, are staying well. The sick people are not well and they're dying. So it's about, well, do you want this to happen again? Or do you want to get rid of your comorbidities? And this is the way you do it. We know how to do it. The science is there. It's not hard. But people are getting, they're too tired, they're too sick, and they're too lazy. And so now they've got to just come back up that coil and start getting healthy again and have more energy so that they can produce their own foods and get back into the kitchen to feed, nourish their families, to heal this nation. Yeah, okay. Well, she got way past a week. Howie, have you, have yeah, you like, had an impact on her? What You're going to yeah. have to go generational now, Howie. Well, that's a, that's a couple of months she's talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm yeah. hanging out to hear what Howie's going to say. Yeah, you me know, too. There's a huge movement now underway in terms of health. You know, people are starting to look at health now. Um, and particularly in the current situation with the virus going around, you know, everyone's starting to get more active. Everyone's starting to think about it. So as far as you know, changing habits is concerned, you know, we're gonna be a leading company in this whole health movement over the next 10 to 15 years. 20 years time, you know, the go-to company will be changing habits. You know, people will be going, well, who can we go and talk to to get the right information? Oh, changing habits, of course, that's who we need to go to. No, we'll be um, supporting some of these villages way up in the Andes of Peru. They'll be growing products for us, not only us, but products that we can share around the world. So it'll be a worldwide company. Whether it will happen in my lifetime, I'm not quite sure, but I'll certainly be working towards that. And I actually said one sometime about five years ago, I wanted a company that had 2,000 to 5,000 people working for it. Well, that's still my goal. But that includes villages and farms and, and families and so on that are 
producing the food that then comes to our company that we can feed and change the nation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my vision is worldwide, worldwide. So we can teach, educate and feed and change the world. And Howie, good on you. While Cindy and I were breathing through that, being able to cope <laughs> with that many staff members. But I do, I, I, I was love painting, actually. <laughs> well, the, the difference there, I'm a Sarah, you know, with everything is I can actually see that. Yeah, I got it. I see that. I, I'm visited, I can see that in front of my face, you know. It's not just. I, I live with. I live with you. I live with that person. So I, I get it. And it is very inspiring actually to, I really respect that actually, because it's something that I, yeah, I wish I had more of. And so I, I really love that what you're saying. And there's a, an amazing man who's been on this podcast named Dandapani and he talks about, I, I want to, I don't want to get it wrong. So I can't remember if it's a 300 year plan or the 500 year plan, mm -hmm. but they have a property in Costa Rica. And he talks about the generations of the land, which is speaking to what you're saying. And mm -hmm. for him, it's so clear, like they've got the physical build, the physical growing happening right now, but it's happening with the intent yeah. of the 300 year plan. And yeah. I think that's what you're sharing as well. It's like, because you can see this as the chairman, you operate in a certain way every day that aligns with that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, and, and that's what we have for the farm, a generational farm. If our children want to take it on, if they don't want to take it on, there'll be somebody else that will see the vision that we have, which was regenerative farming and things like that. So we have it with the farm, we have it with our business. But also, I don't know if you've heard of the Woodford Folk Festival, but they have a 400-year plan too. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. their plan is 400 years. So, you know, I, that's when my heart starts to palpitate too. But yes. I just have that generational thoughts. thoughts yeah and maybe and maybe sometimes sometimes i think we have different kinds of seeing mm. so i see that what's what howie said so clearly about vision sometimes i think i feel those things and i struggle with how to describe that so cindy i think you've got a lot of that going on as well it's just it, it's an energy it's a feeling but it, howie that's why you're here to give it words thank you <laughs> I love you guys. You've been mentors of mine on so many levels as parents, as couple, and then as business leaders, just beautiful. So appreciate you. Our pleasure. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Sarah. Love, love, love talking you. to you. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. <laughs>